it's record talk time. That's right, with the new intro, with the countdown, chopping them off, throwing them like grenades. Let's spin some records, baby. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> they grow back. Touch up. <laughs> the starfish. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Gentlemen. What's going on, buddy? Good evening and good night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of those things. Sure, why not? Well, I mean, that's probably mostly just good night at this point. I mean, uh, as soon as I cross six, I, six is designated evening, is it not? Anything up to six is afternoon? I think five. To me, five is evening. Now, I expect oh. five o'clock in the afternoon to be extra douchey sometimes. So, five o'clock hmm. in the afternoon. All right. Depends All right. on the season, though. Yeah. Like right now, like it's sunny till seven. So, it's really. That's after, true. That's yeah, true. It's yeah. Seasonal. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Seasonal terminology. I think I'm pretty early though, don't you, James? Because you get up early, right? Yeah, I'm usually asleep by around ten, no later than ten. I think where where James lives, the sun. They have months out of the year where the sun never goes down, or no? No, no. (laughs) You you need to freaking buy a glow, brother. (laughs) Watch a YouTube video about it, not the flat Earth ones. Like watch one where it's the actual representation of the Earth, and where it's round. It's round. Is it there? Is like is it, it's a part of Alaska where the sun never goes down, and then where it never comes. And Antarctica, up. I think the, the two poles. Canada has it too, man. There's part, yeah, parts of the northern, the upper the, northern and southern part and where you tundra. have those. That's right, babe. The tundra. Oh, Dylan Rackley, day got better when Record Talk went live, and that hey, Rob, Dylan. you interviewing Steve Effing Vi. Yeah, I know, yeah. right on his birthday. Drop that bomb today. You guys got to check out if you're watching, man. So I talked to Phil X this week from Bon Jovi. He was killer. Rob Mother Bailey earlier today, which is just a huge influence of mine. Check out his music, fitness, just built an empire of greatness. And the man literally in the middle of his day can say, ah, look up at the sky. It's sunny. I'm going to jump in my airplane and go fly around for a couple of hours. Then when I land, I'm going to jump in my fleet of Porsches and drive them around the track. No big deal. This man is free. He has freedom. Yeah. And Steve I next week. Pretty cool. <laughs> things are going great. Yeah. You don't think that's cool? You don't want to jump on your airplane? No. Not I found there's a, a place nearby me that has Cessnas for like 25 grand. I kind of want to get my pilot's license, but Melissa and everybody else that I know says I can't. I think you can. Then you could fly here. Hey, I'm going to get some nice golf clubs for my birthday. I hear there's nice, nice golfing where you live, James. And, and, and golfing is like the national, not the national, the state sport of Arizona. Like there's more golf courses in Arizona than there are anywhere else in the country. My neighbor's parents live in Arizona. I, I forget where. And um, I think they're thinking about moving back, though. And uh, he's, a, he's a big golfer and he, he likes golf courses out there. So I've heard some pretty good things about the golf courses out there. Golf in Phoenix, like within five miles of my house, there's probably 25 golf courses. That is one sport. I cannot get into. I have tried many times. I've gone with my, my in-laws. It's one of those two. It's one of those things too. It's not like another sport like baseball or like after several tries and things, you can kind of fit like, all right, that didn't feel right. If I do this, if I choke up this way, if I try to, you, you immediately have like successive reinforcement where you're like, okay, that worked. Let me repeat that. Golf is not that way. It is just the, the sheer mechanics of it confuses the hell out of me. And I just, so don't you know, enjoy what, it. I enjoy you, know what you have to do <laughs> is don't go golfing, go to a top golf and that will make everything better. Or because get a golf cart and that's all I really care about that. <laughs> golf cart and day drinking. <laughs> if, if, well, if you go to a top golf, you can eat and drink and hit golf balls. And it's, it's pre- unlimited golf balls. As far as I can tell, as long as you're paying for the, for the booth, you can hit as many golf balls as you like. Do you play uh, golf games? I do not play golf, but I will smash the crap out of numerous golf balls while drinking long Island iced teas and eating mozzarella sticks. All right. Rob, you do golf though, huh? I haven't in a long time because you know my my golfing friends, sadly, uh, passed away. So, um, <laughs> I'm gonna make some new golfing friends, and I want to. He what, just <laughs> laugh at death of friends. Yeah, he did. So yep. you can you can come play when you're out here. Yeah, man. I look yeah, forward man. to it. So before we get into the black rose, we gotta have. What's in the? What's in the? What's in the? All right, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. No, no, no. I agree with you, Dylan. Screw normal golf. Golf, oh my golf. <laughs> Frisbee <laughs> golf is best. <laughs> Frisbee golf. Hey guys from Brazil, what's up, dude? 
Marcel, is that how you say your first name? Marcel Drums from Brazil. Rock on, man. What time is it there, dude? Comment, please. Where in Brazil? Uh, Rio? Uh, Sao yeah, Paulo? James, you have friends in Brazil, right? I have, I have friends in Rio. This guy's a great drummer. Check out his videos on Instagram. No kidding. Oh, yeah. man. Let me write this down. Yep. Follow. Fast my notes, Pat. So dude, throw in the chat your Instagram name. We'll shout it out. So because no one started and nobody said anything, I'm drinking oh, yeah. uh, a Glencairn of Breckenridge rum cast. Ooh. And uh, it's, it's delicious. Oh, did you do that already? Yes, we did do that. San Paulo. San Paulo. Cool, man. Cool. All right. All right. Uh, Brian, how about I you? I am boring. Drinking water. I had a late right. day coffee, so nothing wrong with that. I'm trying to hydrate now. That's what we're made of. Coffee? It's true. Uh, coffee. Yes. So I'm drinking a combination of a day's old remnants of an Americano, a bottle of water, and I just opened up another one of these uh, uh, hemp extract beverages. Is that the one that the same one that did the uh, unicorn tears or unicorn vomit? It's grapefruit, but also tastes like unicorn unicorn tears. Yeah, got it. Is it straight up grapefruit like Fresca? This would taste identical to Fresca. No way. Yeah. Is that not terrible for you? Without the sweet. No, this has no sugar, man. This is. Uh, Oh, just drinking your beer. What kind of beer, Marcel? I hope I say your name right, man. Five calories. Uh, purified water. Less than 2% of the following. Hemp extract, grapefruit, natural flavor, citric acid. Nothing bad in there. Dude, throw it up to the uh, camera so you can see the... Uh, I like the, uh, the artwork of things. Yeah, they do a really good job. They actually... Do it That's awesome. There's so some this, greatness in the simplicity of that. This is Ryan Tedder from One Republic. And uh, they just actually sent out like a beta <clears throat> test of these little shots that I'll, I'll rep next week. Oh, an nice. American IPA in Sao Paulo. I like hey, it. Hey, right on, man. What, uh, what kind of IPA? I'm not a big IPA drinker. There's one yeah, that I really enjoy is um by Oscar. Uh, it's Oscar Blues. They do uh, a good night one. So it comes in a tall boy, and it's a pack of four. They come in, they do all their uh, beers in, in cans. Man, they the high percentage. Two will put you where you need to be. <laughs> you do three, and then you finally stand up. You're like, oh, mistake. Oh, <laughs> you are pronouncing it right. Well done. Groovy. So, yes. Yeah, man. When I drink IPA, I get a headache right away. Right away. Not built for it. I yeah, I can't either. I it, it and I don't know. I think they're it's too hoppy. It takes the right combination of one that I really enjoy. That's what like the good night. If you could find good night, uh Oscar Blues, um, awesome, awesome beer. I really messed up my knee drinking that one time. Oh. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what are we talking about tonight, guys? Eisenbahn. All right, cool. We are talking about the black crows. Shake your money maker came out in 1990, gentlemen. 1990. Woo! God, who's feeling ago. old? Who's feeling old? So old, right? <laughs> and this yeah. is—is is this their first album, or this that is, is their, their debut album? So it is their debut. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow, that makes it worse, probably. 31 years. Yeah, dude. It's uh. Um, yeah, that makes it worse. So anytime, like, so. I don't know about you guys. I I was never um, into the Black Crows. I feel like it was something I kind of missed out on. I knew I grew up, you know, listening to a lot of music in the '90s. I just I it never really got on my radar. Um, so I figured, like, why not? Why not try it? It'd be great for all of us to kind of experiment with it. Um, so anytime I pick out a new band, I always try to do like a search and find out what is the fan voted favorite. And this one was pretty highly ranked by fans, like their debut album. And then upon listening to it, I was like, oh yeah, I definitely know all the singles from this for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's cool. They used to be known as Mr. Crow's Garden. Uh, and in 98, no, I'm sorry, 88, um, one of the producers, I think it was the producer of the, the album, saw the band in New York City and signed them to Deaf American, which is uh, Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin. Yep. Mm. And then they changed their name to the Black Crow shortly after, which Rick Rubin is actually an executive producer on this album. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So – you know, a lot of these records we're talking about, they're on these 20, 30, 25 to 30 year spitting food ever. I apologize. I'm eating. It's going to happen. It's going to be filthy and disgusting. <laughs> what did Dylan say? Drinking smart water, but it's clearly not making me smarter. <laughs> I had the same problem, dude. I've chugged many of those. No avail. <laughs> so I highly recommend if anyone is listening to this and you're unfamiliar with this record, some of your younger fans out there, you know, just are friends. They just don't know some of these bands. Get the deluxe reissues because this is a three disc reissue yeah yeah it has the b-sides 
mm-hmm. demos, acoustic versions, and then a whole live show, which I didn't realize is from 1990. So it's yep. like period correct. And there we'll get into that later, but on fucking fire. Yeah. Hey, mouth. Sorry. I cursed like crazy in the one earlier tonight. So I'm coming down from that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great, uh, I read a great review. Um, there's a bunch of different. I like to read reviews too to see like how uh, from the time. So like not necessarily now. So looking at in the nineties when this when this popped out, you know, what what were people saying about it? You know, various zines and things like that. And Entertainment Weekly had a really good uh, review of this. They said gave it a B plus, and they stated the Black Crows are to the early Rolling Stones what Christian Slater is to the young Jack Nicholson, a self conscious imitation, but fine enough in its own right. Authentic bluesmen, these crows will never be, but their sheer energy earns them the right to trash it up. And I think that was a pretty fair representation of this album. I think that they brilliant. I thought so too. And not all the time are reviews that on. Sometimes it could be a little bit too jaded. They could be a little bit too bitey. You know, they just, they, they forget that there's, there's people's hearts behind all this music and they get to be a little bit too shitty for lack of better words to the, to the, um, I thought that was pretty good. I I think I don't, I didn't take that as a stab. I thought that was a pretty good representation of what this is. Cause I do think, and we'll go through it, but there's a lot of, you could hear previous artists on here, you know? Yeah. But live, they are a different beast for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, for me, I knew I'm looking at it on my other screen. I'm sorry. I knew twice as hard. I knew jealous again. Um, I've played hard to handle a thousand times. And um, she talks to angels if I didn't say that one. Hey. Well, yeah, let's start it off with twice as hard. I mean, let's let's yeah, jump, let's right just down and jump around because I mean, it's skippable, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think I'm sticking mainly probably with the singles of this one. I think so just people could relate. But Twice as Hard, it's a great opener. But as soon as it opens, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I hear ACDC meets Led Zeppelin. That that groove is right there. And I think that when, you know, the singer. Um, Chris Robinson. Uh, thank you. Chris Robinson begins to sing uh, it, and adds that little bit of slide guitar. Then you have yourselves that that Black Crows feel to it. But it's for sure an ACDC meets Led Zeppelin groove. It sounds like a mashup of those two bands. I hear a lot of early Aerosmith in them too. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right on. Good catch, man. I watched the video of them recorded in Spain in 2009 and it was tight. I like, I think ultimately that's the takeaway from this album. I think it's a good album. I just don't think that it, it personifies the energy of which they bring forth as artists as well as it does. Cause when I've watched all their live videos that I was, I was like, wow, none of that translates on the album. Like live, they're a different beast. Did anyone get uh, Skinnered out of any of this? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I I got a decent amount of that from uh, a lot of our rotating speaker type things. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of of songs that are really Leslie saturated, I heard a lot of uh, like Tuesday's Gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That that was something that I couldn't shake while I was listening to. And it was probably just the speed, like not the song inspiring it but just the that sound seemed very pulled directly out of leonard skinner's catalog yeah and you know anyone unfamiliar with this band too you know they had a lot of makeups breakups and another band of brothers that hate each other <laughs> they, they had reunited early 2000 late 2019 and they were going to do a tour and it never got off the ground because of covid so the fans are super bummed but yeah. only chris and rich it's none of the other guys in the new lineup wow Dylan, I just love that Brian describes an album like it's fine cheese. Sometimes it's stinky cheese. I mean, let's be honest. That that uh, Marilyn Manson Antichrist Superstar was peat cheese. Hey guys, <laughs> we're talking about the cheese plate because I don't know if we've shared a cheese. Has we have we shared a cheese plate the three of us? Not no. if you want me to die. I don't eat cheese. All right, lactose. Well, vegan. But <laughs> if there's a cheese plate, I'm going to say to the waiter because it's usually in a restaurant where I'm on my worst behavior. I want the most expensive, stinkiest, disgustingest one you have. And let me tell you, the stuff that I've put in my mouth, it can't even hold its form. <laughs> cheese. Uh, you, uh, anyway, okay, sorry. Just leaving that wide that's, open. I'm going to let it go. That's that's what I distinctly remember. I think we've shared cheese boards, Rob. And I distinctly yeah. remember the I want Jacques cheese that doesn't board. keep its own shape. Yeah, I stole that from Anthony Bourdain. May I rest his soul. Yes. But. Yeah. Cheers, Anthony. Man, I, I just opened actually, uh, not to get from, wow, sidetrack. Um, I just opened a goat cheese that has fig mixed into it that sounds illegal that's it's, illegal black market it's heavenly you mentioned like, that a couple of weeks ago yeah oh like we, we finally got into it though like we we bought it but like we just got into it a couple of days ago and we had it with like a, a really fizzy red mm. so do you put it on a crusty bread we were putting it on rosemary crackers 
Oh, yeah. Did you there you honey go. On top of it? Huh? Did you drizzle honey on top of it? We did not. It doesn't need it. It's, so, it's like so sweet and like super salty and creamy. It's just. Do you know that? I'm going to have some when we're done. <laughs> dead bees inside of figs or something. You ever heard that? No. Yeah. So, like, when the fig, I'll send you a video. Like, one the, because it's the bud basically of yeah. the flower. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes there will be an insect that is eating upon it and they become engulfed in it. Oh, interesting. That probably makes it more metal in the scheme of things. Yes. Right? But then the question is, is a fig vegan if it has a dead bee inside? Hey, we got Bobby Bad News on here. This He loves this band. That's what he says. One of the greatest debut albums ever. Our generation's Rolling Stones. See, I get a lot of stones. I'll give that. Uh, yeah, definitely a lot of stones for sure. Did, you guys, on a side note, have you heard Dave, um, Dave Grohl with uh, Mick Jagger's song? I like he, it. Yeah, he's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, so raw. It is. It is. It is great, man. I was nervous to hear Mick, but as soon as he opens his mouth, I'm like, yes, there's a guy that still they still pull. not everybody can do that. Like you watch Aerosmith nowadays, it's like no. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's just not the same. But like the Stones, man, they're god. Damn, they're timeless. Absolutely we never, timeless. We never did a Stones record. We're gonna. We're our fiftieth, fiftieth uh, episode. We're doing uh, Stones because it's gonna be the fiftieth anniversary of Sticky Fingers. Oh, dude, I was hoping it'd be Sticky Fingers. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert, everybody. I figured we're doing a fiftieth anniversary, fiftieth uh, episode. We should do a fiftieth anniversary of an album, and uh, the one that won between the three of us was Sticky Fingers. Yeah, I don't remember that at all, but I, I'm glad that I said that because that's what <laughs> yeah. I'm on right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, Azure Stones, are we got to do Sticky Fingers, but apparently past Rob was a rock star because he knew what current Rob wanted to say. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> Almost the same guy. We need to see a doctor and a DeLorean, and we're going, baby. Jesus. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so I think Jealous Again should have been the opener. I like that better than Twice as Hard. I think a rock wait, which one should be the opener? Jealous Again, if I if I No, were. no, definitely. I think I think Twice as Hard is a great opener. I don't think Jealous Again would be a, a good opener. Well, fine. I think it's it's a I think it's the reason why it's good is the second one because you really give it a feel for their love and appreciation for blues music and it's 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 and the you know in that straight ahead rock and roll feel I feel like at least with twice as hard although you hear remnants of like you said ACDC Led Zeppelin and, and uh, Aerosmith you do feel their own DNA in that with you know adding that slide guitar and and some of the way in which he he you know, presents his lyrics and sings those lyrics. I think if you start with Jealous Again, you'd be like, oh, this just sounds like another blues ripoff. Not to say that Jealous Again is a blues ripoff. It's just so heavily blues-laden. You could hear so many of its predecessors that it wouldn't stand on its own. I feel like it would be a poor entry. Not as poor as like Garden and Garden of Eden together, but, you know. I like it when a band wears their influences so blatantly on their sleeves. Yeah. In the DNA of what's going on. Absolutely. I I think twice as hard as a good opener because it's more encompassing of the overall tone of the album versus being more uh, pigeonholed into one type of sound. I think twice as hard kind of covers a lot of bases all on its own. And I think it has really, even though it's not like, uh, even though it's not like, you know, super fast or super aggressive or anything like that, it's got a really good energy. It's got like a really good vibe. And I I think it has like a good swing almost that uh, I, I really like in it. Yeah, yeah. Well, not to jump gears here, but Sister Luck, tell me that you don't hear Knocking on Heaven's Door, which was originally recorded by, recorded by Bob Dylan, but specifically, it sounds like Guns N' Roses ripped it right from Sister Luck. Did you hear that? You mean Black L- Roses lifted it right from? Black Roses? No, Guns N' Roses. Black Rose? No, but they, no. Guns N' Roses. Oh, their version of it. I hear their version of, yeah, yeah. Okay. Of, of Knocking on Heaven's <laughs> you Door. That too? You didn't understand either, right? I was 90, a little confused. Came out in 91. <laughs> Right? Or is it 92? User Illusion was 91, wasn't it? Yeah, 91. We'll have to go back and watch the episode. Yeah, and this one... We'll link it up right here. Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. Be sure to smash that like and subscribe button. Oh! <laughs> oh, Billy. But, yeah, I, I can hear what you're talking about, I think, on that. Yeah. There's a lot of influences here that, you, like Rob said, they wear it on the sleeve proudly, because I, I hear... Like on seeing things, I hear Joe Cocker. It, is, it sounds like it's ripped right from a mm-hmm. Joe Cocker album, especially with the female backup vocalist and all. Like that is a Joe Cocker like wow, yeah. song. I um, hear uh, and she talks to angels. I hear Zeppelin three. Maybe it's just the yes. five, the open yes. tuning. Yeah, yeah, wrote, yeah. Oh, that's wow. so funny. I, I, heard, I wrote that, that too. Good call. <laughs> I wrote that too. Yep. Zeppelin. Hey. I remember this reissue came out twenty twenty one, so this is brand new. Brand know. new. Yeah. There's some really good. Um, like so, like. Uh, like you said, you'd played the, the song many times, Hard to Handle, which is an Otis Redding uh, song, which if you listen to that, it's slower, so this one's a little bit faster. But in the 30th oh. anniversary reissue, hello. Wait okay. till Rob's, I'm back in Rob's ears. Hold on. Scratch my ear. Hold on. Hold on. There it is. 
Um, so in the 30th anniversary reissue, they re-released that song with a whole other layer to it by adding the horns remix, which is what Otis Redding's song has is very horns laden song. So having that was kind of cool. You should hear, what's it? You should hear a Brazilian version. Of hard to handle. Really? Say, oh, I'm not sure. Explain. Yeah. Don't leave us hanging, Marcel, man. Come on, give us more. You can't you can't dangle that, that fruit in front of us, man. Or just uh, link directly. You know, we can yeah, check link it. Out. it yeah, we, sure. we can't check it out live, but we can check it out. Yeah, did please. you did you hear you said uh, she talks to angels? Did you hear 2020 uh, Mark uh, Mark Morton from Lamb of God's EP Ether featuring the vocals by Lizzie Hale doing that song? Talks to angels. Yeah, have you heard it? Oh, is he singing? Oh no, no. no. Lizzie Lizzie yeah. Hale is yeah, singing. Yeah. Mark Morton's playing guitar. It's probably really it, good. It's sick. It's great. It's absolutely great. Did, did Mark Morton? That, this is going to sound so stupid right now, but Mark Morton released an album of all like just like guest acts, like yes. and him playing yeah, the them, one. right? Like, he, had, he did a thing with Chester Bennington, too, which is right? a great song. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. okay. Like I, I could have sworn I knew that was a thing, and like I always would hear about it at the least opportune time for me to be able to remember it. Right. So I never checked it out, but I knew it was a thing. Okay. Somebody, I read so much today, uh, so much articles I posted today on our, on our site, uh, Facebook site. There's something about new Chester Bank, unheard. Um, David Morrow's contributing to that. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lots of, so today, iconic day for um, Juice Priest, British Steel was released. Iconic record for metal, um, as well as Iron Maiden's album. And then, you know, obviously Peter Steele passed away on the 14th many many moons ago which feels like yesterday but yeah that was rough yeah man i miss pete every day uh, just i miss typo negative i miss that sound i miss what he did as an artist as a vocalist as a, as a stage presence the man was a type he was a good personality <laughs> yeah he was the I, guy he lived it he was just yeah. Yeah. they were down to earth guys i had met one of them in um in the village in new york city just super down to earth dudes really nice guys bummer so Something like we're all talking about, like the things that we hear on this album. Yeah. I think what, what uh, something to take away from all of it is that I think what they did on this is managed to pay perfect homage to everything that like clearly inspired them up to that point and still kind of make it theirs to a degree yeah. that you hear all the influence, but it's still a different sound. And I think that sound is, uh, is very consistent throughout most of their catalog too, because mm -hmm. I, I listened to this album and I listened to, I can never get the name right. I listened to Southern Harmony and Musical Companion as well. And uh, the sound is very consistent from one album to the other. So again, like also paying complete homage, but doing their own thing. It was uh, just an interesting thing to take away from the whole, from listening to their music because I, I am kind of removed from it. Like you were saying, Brian, like I, I, yeah. I knew them and I knew the singles. I knew all the songs, but just... I, I didn't listen to it casually. It was just like, if I heard it, it was, you know, I heard it and that was pretty much it, but I wouldn't, you know, volunteer to throw a CD in or something like that. Yeah. yeah it, for me, like I, I knew the songs and then they had a behind the music behind the music was such a great tool to, you know, oh, kind of love that show. pre in pre YouTube. That was such a way to get turned on to new music. And I saw on the uh, Paramount streaming, they're bringing it back a new series of a new season. What? Another reason to buy a streaming service, but hey, buy this will one. it bring all the legacy stuff back too? I assume so, but it probably already has that. But you know the back catalog. But you know, watching that behind the music, there was so much fanfare about this band, and you know, I've read multiple articles about them over the years in Guitar Magazine. So understanding, you know, the passion of these guys of what they were doing, and then just the dynamic, and like Chris is a good front man, and then they had that record. Uh, where Jimmy Page toured with them and they basically just played Led Zeppelin songs. And that was just yep. incredible live record. And that was my first. That was huge. That was the only record of theirs I ever owned. And it had the hits also because it was a Black Crow show, but it had the Zeppelin songs, but it was live. So I think, you know, maybe I'm jumping the gun, but upon listening to this deluxe version and that whole concert, which I didn't realize till now live with you guys, that it was from 90 the power of these guys as a live band, it's almost a little disappointing that they didn't capture that lightning in a bottle on the record. Right. Which right. we're going to do that with side B um, later talking about live performances and things like that. So I'll kind of say what I want to say about Pantera with that, but yeah, they, it doesn't. And I, I kind of did what James did too. And I agree with you, James. I think a great, great way. And, and Rob as well, what you guys said, it, it just, 
they're great albums. They're great music. I think that they do have their own DNA here. Like I think like they'll they have those familiar bar shuffle blues, you know. Uh, but they add a little grit to it and they speed it up a bit. That makes it their own. But ultimately, like it just when you watch these live videos, be it from the '90s and their inception, or even in 2009 when I was watching that one from Spain, um, it just the album doesn't capture a fraction of their energy. They really do put on a great show. Um, you could see it in the crowd when they pan out to the crowd. It's electric and and they're great and they're all great. He, there's nothing worse than seeing a band and the singer is known for being a pretty good singer and they just can't hold a note or they can't, you know, they're winded too quick. <laughs> Rob Zombie. Oh. And, um, you know, so it, it's kind of cool to see that. And they're just tight musicians, man. They all, it's like watching a, a group of a session musicians. They're really tight and they have like female vocalists. So they get, they have things, add things to songs that aren't on the album. And that's why I love it's going to see a live performance. And we'll kind of jump to this later, but like when they add different stuff that wasn't there and you're like, yes, yes. Yeah. I want that version forever. Right. <laughs> And you can really tell like the the chemistry that's why it's unfortunate rob what you were saying that like it's you know the reunion's only two of the original members because i feel like when you see those live performances mm -hmm. uh those early 90s live performances that there was really good chemistry between the whole band mm -hmm. that like they could take those moments and just enjoy playing together and yeah. it, you know if if it's not the same group, uh, group of guys now that's unfortunate i didn't know the brothers were um but they're still together, though, the two brothers. Don't they play together? It's not like a waste. They, they came from it, the same room. <laughs> they've had major falling outs. Yeah. And they've gotten back together. And then they had, like, uh, a separate – one of them had, like, the Robinson Brotherhood or something. So maybe it was just the two of them. But now just the two of them are calling themselves Black Rose. I'm not a big enough fan to know, all that, of it. you know, if all these guys mattered. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they mattered, but mm. you know what I mean? Like, who are the other guys? Oh, so the, the other band members, so you have, you know, uh, Chris on, on vocals, but he also did, I think he played like harmonica. You have Rich Robinson on guitar, Jeff, uh, Jeff Cease on guitar. You have Johnny Colt on bass guitar, and then Steve Gorman on drums. Five piece. All right. Yeah. Somebody here, I don't know if this is what, this is a reissue, but it's a cast and crew. Like it's a movie. Yeah. Chris Robinson, the singer, young Rich Robinson, the guitars, and then the rest of the guys. Uh, Steve Gorman, the drums and cymbals. <laughs> separate, two separate entities there. <laughs> I just, it's cleverly done. I think I love this. It reminds me of like Dumbo, right? Yeah. Which apparently is not okay any longer, but <laughs> which for obvious reasons, but yeah. They're obvious. What? Oh, the black racist stuff now. Oh, I don't even, I, I don't keep track of any, I apologize, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I think ultimately, Rob, you bring a great point. So like anytime there's a reissue, it's, it's really worth exploring uh, anniversary editions and things like that. Um, this is a great 30th anniversary. It was, it was fun to hear some of the B-sides. It was fun to hear some of the unreleased tracks, demos, the live versions. It was really awesome to hear some of the thong the thongs the songs on here. Uh, re yeah, thongs. Uh, Reimagine like that, like you said, the, uh, you know, hard to handle with the horns. So it had more of that, even more of that Otis Redding DNA. Um, I just love Otis Redding. So kind of hearing it become more of a tip of the hat to him um, was awesome. So there's a lot of great, great things about those those anniversary editions. I really I really do enjoy most of them. I, I apologize if I miss this. The uh, the tour with Jimmy Page was that available as an album? Or oh yeah, just yeah, that yeah. was. Oh, did yeah. he did he play on the original music or only came out for a certain part of the set? I assume he played on everything. I think he did. That'd be pretty cool to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I and uh, Rob got to see Page and Plant. So I mean. <laughs> let's let's not kick the bear. All right. <laughs> On we plow, <laughs> but uh, I'll I'll look into that too. Like that sounds like something I'd I'd like to see. I love your brother. Um, Don't <laughs> shake your head. No, you shake that head. Yes. <laughs> love you. It's easy because you're beautiful. You and that droopy eyelid. Do 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 do. I love your eyelid so much. I tried to emulate it this week. What happened? <laughs> Dude, on Sunday night, I went. I rubbed my eye, and uh, I was like, "Oh God, that's tender." And it didn't feel like the lid; it felt like the eyeball. So I got a little nervous. And then, by the, and I progressed. It was, it was, it was sore as hell. I was like, "What the hell happened to my eye?" 
So I'm like checking, seeing anything's in, nothing. Next day I wake up, it's swollen shut. I got to like pry it open. I'm like, oh no. And uh, I went to the doctor. They're like, it's too early to tell. You may have a sty on the upper eye, on the inside. Uh, so they gave me some medicine. It's the swelling gone down a ton. Like I could obviously keep it open. <laughs> I was going to say, it seems much better. Uh, I feel so much better. <laughs> I did, however, save the picture that you sent us. And that is now your profile picture on my phone. Oh, nice. You know, it's bad when, when you're nine-year-old and six-year-old like, oh, that doesn't look good. I'm like, you guys aren't observant of anything. That's great. Awesome. Let it be your entertainment. <laughs> your kids comes down. He's like, what the hell happened to you? Oh. <laughs> it's never a good face. You want your younger to say, ah. You could be missing an arm. Wouldn't notice at all, they would notice. So many things they don't notice, but my eye, oh. You don't think they'd notice the arm and be like, hey, what's going on there? Like an hour or so into it. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Depends yeah. what's else going on. <laughs> so yeah. let's talk uh, about live music. We're halfway through. Do yeah, side music? B, baby. Live. Well, it kind of it's a little bit of one and a little bit of the other. You know, we we're we we're talking about how nothing is really they they never captured what they do live, and I think that's really unfortunate. Um, I, I was telling you guys earlier, like listening to this reminded me of that Bob Rock thing with uh, Metallica on the Black album that he had, you know, when he did the bid for producing that album, that he said that they never captured their energy live. And I think this is very much the same story here. That That's why I was especially kind of like confused when you mentioned that Rick Rubin was a part of this because you would think that he would have gotten more of that out. Well, here's but, the uh, thing about that. It's interesting. So he was a producer. Now, I read this somewhere, and I don't know because it's like, again, you have a reissue, so I don't know. But apparently he it was – not public knowledge that he was the producer. So in, in the initial release of the album, until it became a well-received album and reached notoriety, was it revealed that he was a producer on it? Which I don't, I don't know if that's true, and I don't understand the reasoning behind that, quite honestly, because of all the things to have your names attached to, I don't think this is a bad one, even if like the band blew up or not. Like It's not a bad album. And, and like Rob said, like they proudly wear those influences on their sleeve and, and pay a really nice tip of the hat. It's not like a ripoff in any way. I don't walk away from this being like, God, what a ripoff, yeah. you know, by any means. Um, so if, if that's true, I don't know if that's something I read is just like BS, but like that's, I thought that was kind of odd. I'm like, well, why? I mean, Rick Rubin produces amazing, amazing work, amazing work. Hmm. So that was odd. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I, I don't even want to say like when I was listening to it today, and I heard those live versions. I was like, that must be recent. Like maybe they did like a show where they played the whole record straight through, you know, later on or something. And that sort of, I justified, well, they were just green when they made this record and they weren't there yet. But if that was their live show, when this was being done, it's, it's really disappointing because that people didn't have access to that. Like imagine the fan base, how much more it could have reached if they got to hear that. Cause you know, well, you're saying, yeah, the internet would make it, would skyrocket but if you think about it, think back to our days of tapeville and and scrounge around for bootlegs like and grateful dead's a great example that even before right. um you know you had tapes being shuffled around and zeppelin you had people that were constantly so those those fan bases were ravenous for it but yeah the internet would have helped it expand beyond that that circle right but it's always been there always Lyra, it's it's tricky there's some bands pantera comes to mind because pantera albums are amazing um absolutely amazing and then you watch them live and damn better better and they some of their best produced like far beyond driven arguably up to the point and vulgar display where vulgar display was an amazingly produced mix i think album. vulgar display of power is their best sounding album yeah and personally then, yeah and then then you had vulgar you know vulgar and then and then um you know they, they were just produced so well mixed so well and then you watch that live and it's even better They're like well how did how do you do that even better Phenomenal. I think it's, it's it's a group of guys too, like oh yeah, Dimebag and Benny Paul uh, and Rex and and Phil are just they're really really great musicians. Um, God, it's it's not hard, you know. Here, the, the great great songs and great musicians. It's uh, it's like the the equivalent of seeing Lamb of God now. That you see Lamb of God and you basically go to see the record. It's it's perfect. Yeah. How is the new drummer? I see. I haven't I haven't checked out the new. Stuff since what's his name uh, left. Um, yeah, I, I've been kind of removed, but from everything that I hear, I mean, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, they always put out great stuff, Lamb. Yeah. So I had a, a question for you guys. I don't know if you, either of you have a writing implement and something that you can prop up to the screen so that 
there's no like foreshadowing to any of this, but I was going to ask you all, um, what is your favorite band to see live? If you want to write it down and just hold it up for the screen. Wait, or, wait, 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 wait. We need parameters. Why? Wow, look at this rule, man. No, no, no. Just, just overall, if you, uh, you, uh, you're, this blank band has come to your town and they're going to play a great arena. It's going to be a great show. Who are, who's your favorite band to see live? All right. Hold on. And if you want on the count of three or whatever, uh, see, I gotta, I gotta just choose one. Cause I just wrote down four. Yeah. Only one. Shit. All right. Uh Sorry, I didn't mean to put you guys in the spot, but I figured you know we're talking about I immediately about just jotted music. down be, four. I'm like, ah! It, it'd be a, a fun exercise to, to say who and not have any, you know, preconceived <laughs> notion as to who it might be. Right. Take your time, Rob. Take your time, everybody. <laughs> James, is yours page in plan? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Poke the bear. Poke the bear. It is, it is not page in plan. But I, uh, Michelle, I what's DT? Did I miss something? What's DT? Dream Theater. Oh, Dream Theater. Oh, nice. Is that dude. Dylan's? Dude, we're doing that next week. Marcel, tune in for that. We're going to be doing uh, Dream Theater. Um, Preaching. What's that? Images and words. Images. Oh, yeah, we're going to pre-tape it. That's right. Yeah. It's all right, but they can. Re it'll still premiere. Yeah, still, it'll yeah. premiere. Nine o'clock or whatever your time zone is. All right, what's the band? Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> Who's mom? Which mom? There's two moms here. I can't see what you're I knew it was going to be Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Okay. Yeah, nails. Yeah, yeah, like easily Nine Inch Nails, and it's different though. That's why I, Nine Inch Nails is an immersive experience. It is energy on a. Well, very, so is Pearl Jam, but it's a different energy. Pearl Jam is like warmth, and Nine Inch Nails is like rage. Like, not necessarily, not yeah, necessarily, because that lights in the uh, lights in the sky tour, that kind of farewell tour, I wouldn't say it was all rage. That, but even still, like there's like there's a feeling of standing in an arena. And Pearl Jam does Better Man, and Eddie starts the intro at the lip of the stage, and everybody sings it, and it's like the music hugs you. Yeah. At a nail show, I've never that's felt true. hugged by the music. I've felt a different kind of hug. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's my number. I mean, they're neck and neck, just different opinions. That's why it was difficult. And James, yeah, of course. So, out of curiosity, do you like talking about live music and how a band captures that sound and that feel uh, on their records? Do you think uh, all the bands that you've picked for Brian and I, Nine Inch Nails and Rob Pearl Jam, do you think those bands, like we were saying that the Black Crows never captured that that potency in a, on a recording? I, yeah. Do you, do you guys think that these bands have captured that uh, on oh, their recordings? Sure. Yeah, for sure. I think that it's magnificent. So like going back to Pearl, uh, mm. Pantera, like that energy is visceral on the albums. You listen to Vulgar Display specifically, it's there. You watch it live, it's on steroids. It's amplified. Pearl Jam, you listen to 10. I can't listen to 10 and not move. If I'm not moving, I'm probably on my way out to a casket. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm moving, man. I love that album. It gets in my veins, and I'm just like, yeah. I imagine live hearing that album or parts of that album, woo, an experience. Same thing with Nails. You listen to Downward Spiral, even, you know, um, Pretty Hate Machine. And you watch those songs live, it's just it's mind just blowing. Amplified. Yeah, it's Dude, amplified, but that I've, energy is there. I've seen Pearl Jam, I've been on the floor, Madison Square Garden, front oh, row. Nice, and they uh played Why Go and they do a big intro, and everyone's bouncing. And you have to remember, MSG underneath that's ice or the basketball court, it's one or the other, the, you know, depending the time of year. And the floor was shaking, the arena was shaking. On the stage, they made a point to say, I feel it shaking up here from you guys bouncing. So yeah. it's like music triggered, and it's not like it's not like a pit or anything. It's just, you know, the big the 12 string bass. Boo, ba -do, ba -do, hey, hey, hey. I mean, it's just crazy. But you know what? That's uh, and the question uh for those who missed it, if you want to answer it, if there's one band that comes into town, what's that band you have to see? Your favorite live band of all time. Um, and I agree, Richie Cotton's sick guitar player as well. But <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna. I, I'm like vomiting in my mouth thinking this thought, but you're really torn, Pearl Jam and Nine Nails, aren't no, you? No, not even like hearing a Pearl Jam song on the record does one thing. It's not the performance of the band live that makes it 
So, I mean, the band's phenomenal. They, they change the arrangements, they stretch it out, they slow it down. They, they're just five guys, six guys, depending on the gig, all on the same page, following the leader in the center of the stage. But there isn't something happening. I'm thinking like a newer song, right? Like on the, that, the self-titled record with the avocado on it. It had a like worldwide suicide on it. Worldwide, that was a staple for a while. There was nothing about the live version of Worldwide Suicide that differed greatly from the record version, but the feeling of the people around it made it more fun. And it made it more energetic on the same record. There's a song called unemployable, which I despised on the record, but then after hearing it live, it changed my experience. Conversely, mm -hmm. nine inch nails. There hasn't ever been a song that I hated on the record and loved live. They've always loved them the same. They just take what they're doing on the record and they just put it in a live version on like cocaine and caffeine and ecstasy and just pure magical energy. But Okay. Correct. Let's reset the frame. Pearl Jam is amazing live because of the energy from the crowd. Nails is amazing live from the energy of the band. I, I disagree. I, I, dis I agree and disagree. Because that was what I was going to say. As you were do doing those things that popped my head, I was like, you know what makes the energy too? I think it is a symbiotic relationship. I don't yeah. think it's all on the band. I think that the crowd plays into that too. There have been bands that I've seen live and like, oh, this is killer. But like, if, I was like, why, why is anyone else feeling this the same way I am? Like, you know, it's, Dude, it's remember, remember when we we're on the floor on the uh fragile tour and that little girl got knocked down, and we had to pick her up. Not we with me, Hammerstein Ballroom. Oh, that was not fragile, that was uh, with teeth. I'm sorry, with teeth. Where I'm like, that? we didn't go see right, fragile right, right. together. Oh, no, I, was, <laughs> I was invited that one. Um, with teeth. it's my first time seeing them, I think. Was that show. yeah, we had to pick her up, yeah. yeah. Dude, she was gonna get stomped. Oh, man. she was killed. And then I, I mean, it was rough for us to stand up. Right, I mean, it right. was rough, man. I was like, oh man, she's gonna go. We gotta go help. I, I feel like that was the wrong venue for that show. Oh, Michelle said for me, songs that people could sing together makes the moment magic. Yeah, there yeah. is something magical. I know some people get kind of like weird about that. Like, I didn't pay to see the band just play the music while the, the audience sings. But I think that there's something magical that 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 could transcend itself and it becomes this other entity. It's, I think that is the definition of feel of what magic can best be personified by. And I, I, I that's kind of cool. Well, yeah, I would like to see Eddie or Trent or whoever the artist is fill in the blank, sing it from, from soup to Bruce. At the same time. What would you say? Bruce. Bruce. Did you say that's another band that people follow? Around. Oh my God. Uh, Chrissy's got family that, that have traveled around part of the country to go see him. I, you know, um, but yeah, I, I think that the, having that's got to feel amazing having people sing your words back to you, like to know that it made that much of an impact, and eat and, and it means something different to each person. It helps them, or it, you know, it, that that's incredible. Yeah, that's a great do point, Michelle. I love that. So do you think, I, go, James. That's right. Do Do you think that device is ever overused? Because I feel like none of us, I don't think, were fortunate enough to see Metallica in the early '90s on the Black Album tour. Because I think that's their peak, I wasn't personally. Invited. What, Rep? I wasn't invited. None of us saw them. I know. So I wasn't invited. Don't worry. He's not going page and plants on us. It's all right. I poked the Anyway, bear. the point being, good. <laughs> uh, that early on in their career, I feel like they were still very much entertainers. And I feel like nowadays, Metallica is kind of along for the ride. Anybody else feel that way? I do. Or is it just yeah. me? Because I, nowadays, you, you, you see that device of... James sings like the first two lines of a song and the crowd sings the rest of it. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, that kind of bothers me. Well, a great example of that is the big four. When Rob and I see that in, in uh, Yankee stadium, as you watched Rob, I think you came late. So I don't know if you saw all of it, but like anthrax took the stage. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it was incredible. And these are older dudes. These are not young. They're not spring chickens, but like they ripped it up, man. They just ripped it up thrash style and all. And then, then Megadeth came on. I was a little disappointed until Rob explained to me that uh, I didn't realize this, that uh, David was supposed to be scheduled for neck surgery and, and passed it up so he could do this iconic event. So that was the only reason why Dave was so stiff. But otherwise, musically, like the album, precise as all hell. Like it was, yeah. it was amazing and just made my heart smile and glow with watching that level of precision live. Like they don't play easy things, Megadeth. And to they watch that, ah, they insane. smoked uh, Metallica that night. And then you watch yeah. Slayer take the stage like a natural disaster taking over. You're like, holy shit, is that a hurricane? You just watch the crowd just go, woof. And like, I'm like, oh my God, there's bodies on the floor. Holy crap. Like it was, whoa. 
And then Metallica came out, and I felt like that was it deflated the balloon a bit, you know. Um, yeah. B. Lars was just so oh, the hard. worst I'd ever seen him. It was worst really I'd ever seen him. It was so disappointing. It the makes me happy a little bit to know was, that I'm not the only one. Yeah, and I like them a lot, and I love their earlier stuff. For me, after Black, I don't really listen to any of the other stuff. Um, we will. Well, we will. Yeah, we, yeah. Convert you. No, it's not gonna hurt me. Yeah, convert. Convert. I I, I don't want to blow up your spot, Rob, but Rob chain. Rob and I had a very very complex discussion on Metallica a couple months back, um, where he had sent me uh, live performances of songs that were on load, played during the Black Album tour. And that is a, a completely different beast. And I believe the, the conversation went something along the lines of, if they never cut their hair, do you think people would have liked Load more? And the answer is yes. Yep. If, if the band never changed visually uh, in the way that they did for Load and Reload, and I, overall, like because their, their stage aesthetic and their stage show changed a little bit when they switched, when they did Load, but if they had played all of Load or Reload during the Black Album tour, people would have eaten the shit out of it. Yeah. Well, there's a big gap between the Black Album and Load too, and like uh, the the environment changed. But yeah, oh, yeah. Kirk coming from Kirk Hammett to now he's in the pimp suit with the with the fur <laughs> the yeah. polish and the eyeliner is just a very different. Yeah. You, know, you look if you look in the in the booklet inside load like there's a picture of a Lars and Kirk like kissing on the mouth and it's like Metallica fans weren't ready for any of that like just to shock it wasn't even into yeah. it's just I don't know well you know another great point to bring up too and um I don't know if we kind of touched on this but like sometimes live music especially years removed from like an initial album so like the Black Crows playing a debut Nine Channels playing Pretty Hate Machine from their debut you know ten years later five years later um whatever the time frame is doesn't really matter. Sometimes it could breathe spectacular life back into that album. So like Pretty Hate Machine is an amazing album. Even the reissue that they they kind of remixed and, and did it even bolder. Um, you watch that live and it's different. It's 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 fantastic. You know, you I, every time I listen to Pretty Hate Machine, I almost always will follow it up by listening to it live, pulling out one mm -hmm. of my live albums, going onto YouTube or pulling out a live version of the songs because they like Something I can never have is amazing on the album. You know, it can bring a tear to your eye. You listen to it live. And if you don't get choked up, if you don't feel something, I don't know, check your emotional bank. It may be on empty. You know what I mean? There's yeah. just certain bands that like they bring it live and they, it brings whole new life and meaning into those songs. And it's cool. You know what I think is part of that? And as a, as a guitar player, this is something that's like a fascination of mine to a very big degree because something that I've always wanted from bands, and I think I'm the only person that wants it, is I would love, just broad example, I would have loved for Korn to re-record re and reproduce the entire first Korn album and release it now. I would love for Metallica to re-record Ride the Lightning right now, like a studio recording of it, because as a band, as you grow and as you expand and as your catalog increases, I feel like with each effort you produce, your musical vocabulary changes to a degree. So if you, like what you were saying, Brian, that like playing Pretty Hate Machine now, it, Nine Inch Nails playing Pretty Hate Machine right now brings different things to those songs because it's a different level of maturity and a different subset of sounds that are built into the band now. now sometimes do, 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 am I, oh yeah is what i'm saying making sense oh yeah they'll I mean, play terrible, terrible lie uh terrible lie live and you're like god damn that's even better than when it was released you know in 89 you're like damn like yeah like i i would really like genuinely like i get like a, literally a chill like thinking about it that i would love for something for a band like nine inch nails with their personnel that they have now and their vocabulary that they have now and their experience of playing those songs for so long to go back and re-record them. Yeah. Because it'd be songs I know and songs that I love in a manner in which they've never been experienced on a recording yeah. before. Well, hell, if movies think that'd be so amazing. Yeah. If movie studios could do it with all these movies and ruin it almost every time, why can't a musician do it with their own work and knock it out the park every time? It's, you know, it's like a reboot uh, sort of. And yeah. I, I think it'd be personally, I think it could fail dramatically, but I also sure. think it could be an amazing, amazing thing. I'd love to hear Master of Puppets recorded with James Hetfield's Black Album Tone. 
Like that's such a stupid thing to think of, but as a musician, it's something that like I, in my heart want so badly yeah. because I it'd just be, it'd be revolutionary. It's just, I don't, I just don't think it's ever, it's I, I think you were saying something about it happening right now. So Taylor Swift, her label sold her back catalog to another label. She doesn't own her masters and they didn't even give her a chance to bid on it. It was a really dirty dog move to do to the girl. Who's like someone who writes her own music and now she doesn't own the masters. So you know what she said? Screw you. I'm going to re-record note for note. Every one of my albums from my second album, all the way through 1989, which was like two records ago. And the first one just came out last Friday. And that's like her first, you know, she, uh, you know like the the first couple of like really bubble gummy beginning songs but hearing her sing it with her you know 30 year old voice versus her 17 year old voice becoming a better singer becoming a better musician it's fantastic yeah like you just basically sold me on listening to that entire first album and now listening to the redo of it like i now i'm very very excited i know well you there are bands doing that though think about it like Coheed has done this. Lots of bands have done this. So we're going on tour and we're only playing this album. Right. So, and if they get recorded or if you find a bootleg of it, you have it. So you are, it is, it is interesting to kind of see those bands like, Oh, we're, we're going to be doing, you know, second stage. So you're hearing them do it in their maturity. You're like, Oh man. So yeah. it is happening and it's happening live, which sometimes can be even more spectacular because you have a little bit more room for like jam sessions and just little, these little accents. And, and yeah. And, and the interactions and the stories that come along, like ah, I wrote this one when ba 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 ba, and it's just like oh yeah, you know what? Like to take it a step further, you know, Grateful Dead, Fish, all these jam bands, the tape culture, Pearl Jam, to a degree, where people would just tape every single show, and there would be like specific guys who always had the best tape, and if you could get a board tape, sometimes that wasn't even yeah. I we stood right in front of the mixing board, which is the best spot in the house to hear everything, and he had the recorder right there, and he captured everything. You know, now in 2021, whenever we get to do gigs again, like most bands are on stage, they're on in-ears, everything is the same mix from night to night. They're on amp modelers, so there's complete control of the tone. Every band should be, I mean, Pearl Jam did it for every single show for the past 20 years, but every band should release every show live. Think of the incredible secondary revenue stream. You paid to come to the show, now you pay an extra $15 to get a recording of the show. And like the subset, like the the sub like cult following of the band being like, oh, do you have Vermont 1994? Right. You know, like that'd be for oh, like the a trading fantastic thing. Come back again. I mean, you you would add like Rob said, more revenue to the band's direct pocket because you don't you could deal away with the the stupid music industry as the middleman. It's like, hey, screw you and your 360 deal. I got this, right. guys. Take we just right revolutionized the, the music industry. So, Somebody should. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote about that today. I, on, uh, one of the I was like, you know, we got to support. Oh, it was yesterday about uh, the Cro-Mags being pissed about the reissue of their album, and rightfully so, because they've never seen a damn dime since its initial inception. It's like, and that's criminal. And it was reissued, and they still didn't receive a dime. And it's just like, these are our artists. These are these are, these are are our collective family. We need to support these individuals, because it's sure as shit ain't happening with, with the music industry who supposedly has their back, you know? So there was a, a dead show. It's like the most famous Grateful Dead show ever. It was Cornell University in 1977 um, of a and they re-released it on this vinyl a couple of years ago. Ooh, that's nice. So this is the album, and it's four discs, and it's just in this fancy box, and it has like a, a, a mock playbill and a little bit, and it has come out. Just regular black discs, nothing special. This thing was like 400 bucks when it came out. People wow. spend money to have these versions of these shows. How much was it? It was like $400 when it came out. Damn it. Wow. Uh, so like People are willing to invest in this music because of these live experiences and then become iconic. So you take something like, uh, just take it a step further, Nine Inch Nails, right? Like Perfect Drug is one of my top five favorite, top 10 favorite Nine Inch Nails songs. Trent said forever, it couldn't be done live until on that farewell tour, they realized, oh, we have the right bands. We can do it live. Yep. So now here's an interpretation of a song that they thought they couldn't do. And now they're doing it 10 years, 15 years after it came out. Something yeah. like a one and done and it's just gone. We can't play it ever again. Like imagine being a musician, creating something. We're part of it now, James. The the two heated exchange songs that we have, they've never been played live. Yeah. As us together or in general, but the music exists. It's out in the world. How many records are that way? Imagine 20 years later being like, oh, now we can play that song. And someone yeah. can of that song and they're like, oh my God, the song that I thought was lost. Now I can get a live version of it. I want every live version of it. Yeah. yeah. Michelle said that he uh, we recorded again our album note by note, 
Yeah, it's it's probably fun to revisit things. I mean, we're we're doing we we started doing it with uh something we wrote like years ago. Like God, how long ago did we write that? Two thousand right. so long. Two thousand seven, so right? And now you know it's twenty twenty one. Dude, I think it's before. I think it's like two thousand three. Yeah, it's no. it's really early two thousand. Is it? Yeah, yeah, because we were gonna stop being because yeah. Drew went to college, and then in question started two thousand three. So it was in that blip between. Yeah, that's right. So o two o three, early o wow. three, summer o three, late o two. Yeah, summer. We gotta keep. We gotta keep moving on that. That's like that's a, a good one. It is. It is. I showed it to to uh, the Jack the other day. He's like, "Wow, it's Brian." I said, "That's Brian." Oh, right on. Showed <laughs> <laughs> it to Jeremy too. You showed it to Jeremy. Yeah. What did you say? Nice. Man, he keeps saying, "Tell Brian I say hi." What's up, Look, Jeremy? I got my hair like Brian again. <laughs> <laughs> grown out. It's grown out. Don't tell him. I'll get a cut again. <laughs> That's awesome. Brian, the Brian Winder. Does he call me Winder? I corrected. <laughs> Brian String Winder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you spell Winder? Oh, I have a D. You know what's interesting? I don't get. It. I've never even it's as a young kid. I got over it quickly because it's like, who cares? Um, but like, it's weird because like the word wind is more is used more frequently than wind. So the fact that your default go-to setting is like to say winder as opposed to winder is odd to me. And I'm not saying I, that because like I have an attachment to my last name because I can care less about my last dude, name. My last name is completely phonetic and it gets botched constantly. And I, I get mean, intimidating yeah. 10 letters, blah, blah, blah. But if you just sound out every one of those letters, like you learned in kindergarten, you can say my last name. No problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the wine thing is, uh, is strictly a Robin. Uh, maybe it's a guitar player thing because you wind strings around tuning pegs. So you're just... You think wind regularly? Oh, there's probably a, yeah. Outside of that, though, like every teacher in America, <laughs> or every teacher that oh, America, they really? every teacher that I've ever had has always started off with winder. I'm like, cool, all right. Maybe they're all guitar players. Teachers. <laughs> 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 <Teachers. laughs> Maybe they don't have a strong hey, English language. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, I mean, you know, in, in, in just winding it down, I think anyone who hears this, check out this record. It's iconic. It's a staple. It's something that you should familiarize yourself with, even if it's just the singles. But I implore you to immediately, if not in the opposite order, seek the songs out live. Yeah. And live shows from that from that time period are very, very good. And just go see live music in general. Or even even more recently, I'm telling you that 2009 concert I watched was 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 killer i mean so i've watched the early stuff that they did from their early you know inception to and even watching those 2000 I'm like damn these guys still bring it and i get it it's not the same lineup but you know that doesn't necessarily always change things depending on the band you know I, I, that you can't get away with that with led zeppelin maybe it's not the same you know what? what's that wouldn't know Where's the womp, womp, womp button? It's not even, it's not, no, because that's offensive to me. That's good. To <laughs> I won't play this game. He has no. I really got to look. <laughs> you got to get some more sounds in there, brother. And you didn't do, right before our segue, what is our segue? Our Batman 89. Gentlemen. Blew it. Don't do it now. Blew it. We're about to head out. Autobots, roll out. That's pretty good for the end right there, actually. Have yeah. either of you checked out? Uh, I haven't, but there's two new animated movies of the Transformers on Netflix. I think it's part, be part of a trilogy. And the animation is very reminiscent of that one I told you guys to check out that you can't get anywhere. They, they pulled it off of all streaming media. But it was the uh, part of the Cyber Wars trilogy. Uh, the first one was uh, what's it called Combiner Wars. It was sick. And they pulled it, and you can't find it anywhere. Too, Weren't you um, a big Beast Wars fan? Beast Machines, all that stuff. Didn't you like that? I caught it. A little bit, and I was like, I don't like the animation at all. And then uh, this guy at work, I worked with back in when I was in New York working at Sears. Um, he, I found out he was a Transformers fan. I'm like, yeah. I was like, I want to like it, but I just don't. He's like, dude. And he started explaining the timeline, right? I and I was like, oh, I'm in. Like, because I'm such a sci-fi nerd, I didn't catch it from the beginning, so like, I didn't know. So I was like, he's like, you got to go back and watch them. So I started watching. I was like, once you have that timeline in your head, then you can get past like the animation. You know, it's like initially when Nickelodeon redid the Turtles. I wasn't me and my wife weren't a big fan of the the animation of that at first. Mm -hmm. And then I can care less. I, I like that better than the one I grew up with from the 80s. The storyline is phenomenal. I, I can't speak highly enough of that. The writers, the animators, the voice actors, top to tail. It's the closest representation to the original black and white comic book from the 80s. It is 
amazing. If you have not seen the, the, the Ninja Turtles from the not the newest Nickelodeon iteration, the, the older one from 2012. If you just type in Nickelodeon Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2012, you'll see it. They have a, a string of DVDs. It, phenomenal. I cannot and, I highly recommend it. And it, it brought in all of the obscure like characters that you're just oh. like, I saw that toy, but that, that was never on the cartoon. I know. Ah. And now they are. Like yeah. even the characters, if I remember correctly, even the guys from the um from the this the secret of the ooze, token yep. in there as well. So it's yep. like really Ooh. hit everything. Huge the writers, somebody either several writers or one of the writers was a huge horror fan, sci-fi fan. They had voices iconic from like Reanimator. Um, they had Bill Mosley, they had um Danny Trejo was on there. You have tons of voice, I guess, actors. Robert Trejo. Yeah, Robert Trejo. Did I say Robert Trejo? <laughs> no, I said did I did I say Robert Trejo? No, you got it right. I got it right. You got Jamie, it right. Jamie, 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 Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, <laughs> Jamie Lee Fox. Jamie Lee Fox. I got it right this time. <laughs> Equally funny. You can't force this magic. I mean, cool. Like, there's lots of tips that had to the old school. Like, there's a whole episode like on Big Trouble Little China. Almost, it's awesome. It's fantastic. It's really. Yeah. Is it available to stream anywhere? Or? On Paramount Network, which is the Paramount same network. one. But Paramount's the same one that's gonna have behind the music. So two for one. I'm not buying another streaming service. It's getting out of hand. It's like I paid for that other one, man. I'm I'm tired. So right now I have uh Disney well, Plus, Netflix. Disney Plus, Netflix, HBO. Oh Jesus. And I paid for the uh the Peacock because I used to pay for WWE network, but they took that away. Now that's part of Peacock, so I gotta pay for that too. So I'm paying for five streaming services, everything but Hulu, pretty much in Paramount. And now I gave Amazon. Oh, Amazon too, that one too, Prime. And I just gave them another five dollars a month to watch those concerts. So I refuse to do that because I, I have yeah, I'm not doing we have that. a prime account. I'm not yeah. adding on to that. It's like, no, that should be part of it. It's that's ridiculous. You're not rich enough. <laughs> exactly. Jeff Bezos makes enough in two seconds to pay off my house and all of my debt. Oh. I'll be I'm over here. I'm contributing to his wealth. So oh me every day I buy something off of Amazon. So who am I to talk? But I'm not gonna give him five extra dollars a month for something I already paid for. Yeah. Oh man. This is a great episode. This is a lot of fun, man. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. It was fun listening to this album. It was fun uh, exploring their their live concerts uh, in a time where you, you can't really see live performances. So it was kind of fun to do that. It made me start looking up other performers that I really like uh, and watching them live. Um, There's yeah. so much great content for live stuff on YouTube, which is free. Um, on the commercials, just like random, like I didn't realize this until maybe over the last year or so, but like just pick a record you like, any band. And someone has compiled every song they've ever played live into yep. one full video. Yeah, that's right. awesome. Thank yeah, you, great. strangers, for doing that work. Oh, it's just t thousands and millions of, of DJs out there, basically just video DJs, you know, YouTube DJs. It's yeah. cool. It's great. Just I, type there's... in whatever it is, the keyword with playlist, and you will find just a wealth of videos. Look for any something that's been really big for me has been uh, the '90s Woodstocks. Like just oh, going yeah. through those and just because they're all there. Yeah. Uh, and there's so many, if you can't find a band to listen to from either of those Woodstocks and you just don't like music apparently because there's just all of them are there. So you watched the DMX performance from there. I watched all the DMX one the other day, actually. I wanted to post something about DMX on, on the Facebook page. I just didn't like that. The majority of articles were hyper-focused on his trials and tribulations. First and foremost, said. Yeah, before talking about him being this iconic legend and what he brought to art in general, but for, to hip hop, I I just didn't like that. I think it's fine to 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 mark some of his, you know, trials and tribulations that he's gone through because it makes the man, it makes the artist for sure. Mm -hmm. It is the motivator, it is the great fire under all of our asses that forces us to prevail and persevere and and show the world that like and show yourself most importantly, like I did this, right. I overcame that, I came out of that. It defined you know, by your struggle. Right. But I just didn't like the majority of the articles I was reading. I just, it wasn't well balanced. It felt like, I don't know that it was kicking a man while he's down, but it just, it wasn't as honorable as I thought it could be. And I just, I'm not going to post something like that. Cause I read everything I post. I don't just share, like I try to write a little blurb today. I wrote a, a pretty big blurb on the Iron Maiden. Um, but I just, I, I read them all and I just didn't, I'm not going to put my name on something. Like I just, I, it's we not a fair representation of man. He's a fantastic video. artist. He deserves better. The video of him when he's on the the uh, the slingshot ride. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> we gotta be hard. Okay. Did, one did of my I, favorites. One of my favorites. <laughs> did I send you guys? I found a video earlier today. Of, uh, it was a mashup of uh, DMX and Sad but True. 
No, that's cool. No, you said the I'll, one I'll, with. I'll um, no, I sent you guys the Van Halen one. The Van Halen one. That was pretty cool too. I thought. I mean, it, it wasn't was fantastic, it wasn't but it was pretty good. I'll send you guys the Sad but True and uh, DMX one as soon as we hang up and whatnot. Because uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. Rick and Morty did a great tip of the hat years ago. Uh, it was either last season or two seasons ago. Did you guys see that with uh, X going to bring it to you at the end of the show? Or him in uh, summer or like all, you know, steroided up and just going around town, just kicking all the crappy people around town to that music. <laughs> it, just, yeah. it was really good. It was a nice tip of the hat to DMX. <laughs> yeah. X going to bring it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, his guttural growl, man. There's, there's, it's unmatched. It's great. He just. Uh... For a period, uh, I had Siri on my phone call me DMX, so that if I asked Siri what my name was, she would say DMX. I would pay money to have Siri sound like DMX. I heard you could have Alexa sound like Samuel L. Jackson right now. What? <laughs> Yeah, like you could have Alexa vulgar, talk to vulgar, you. Vulgar language and all? Yeah, like properly. Yes. Like he'll, he'll curse you out and tell you yes. what the weather is. I don't have Alexa, but that'd be cool. I, I, I've been meaning to try it online. Like that. I have a th I'll send that to you guys as well. There's a video about how to enable it. It's pretty funny. Cool. Okay, this is sorry. great, guys. This is great. <laughs> all right, guys. So next week, we'll be back on a pre-record, so just enjoy it. Please watch it uh, if we can schedule that, hopefully. And if not, um, we will see you guys in two weeks from tonight, all right? Yeah, thank you everybody for viewing. Michelle, it was really great meeting you, man. Um, thank you for all the input. Dylan, as always, um, as well. Bobby, if you're still here, thank you, everybody. Thank you very much for viewing and watching this and interacting with us. It was a lot of fun tonight. Thank you for making this Wednesday pretty spectacular. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Better late than never. <sighs> I'm going to